Watch out for those weirdos. <laughs> we are the weirdos, mister. Welcome to another episode of the Windsor Film Club, the underground club of movie podcasts focusing on the underseen, underappreciated, or downright weird in the world of cinema. My name is Raina Cervantes, and I am here co-hosting with Steph Koza. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. And joining us, as always, is our other wonderful co-host, Madison Fairchild. Hi, friends. Hello. Hello. Glad we're all here for this episode. Not throwing shade at any other episodes, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) This week is our third week of our Pride series for the month of June, Cronenberg Month, where we're covering the lesser-known films of body horror maestro David Cronenberg through a possible queer lens, question mark? This week definitely has one. Yeah. A thousand percent. Because this week we'll be covering quite possibly the steamiest and most controversial film that he's ever done. We're covering The Marriage of Flesh and Metal, a personal favorite of mine, and a movie that I hope one day to remake in the realm of virtual reality. For this episode, we'll be covering 1996's controversial masterpiece, Crash. Uh, joining us this week is also the horror queers, Face Thurman and Joe Lipset. Hello! Hi, welcome to the club. Oh man, this was like fortuitous because Joe has been trying to get me to watch this movie for, I feel like, years. And so, (laughs) Raina, when you made the call and we're like, hey, do you want to come cover Crash? I was like, well, the time is now. One of us definitely does. (laughs) This is your moment. (laughs) And this is like actually the first time we've had a Canadian on to cover Cronenberg, correct? Mm. Oh yeah. That's Joe. (laughs) That would be me. Yes. You know what? We're, we're, We're keeping with the theme it's good to finally have somebody from the land up north to cover a cronenberg film madison you want to lead us into our next conversation yes so um wait i'm so sorry trace and joe hi guys <laughs> hi <laughs> um we are so excited to have you guys on as our guests this week can you tell us a little bit about your show horror queers absolutely yeah so uh we run a weekly podcast on the bloody disgusting podcast network and we look at horror films through a queer lens or queer horror films and sometimes the two intersect and sometimes it's just us bringing our big homo eyes to whatever's on screen but <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've been going strong for about four years. We've covered a couple of Cronenberg films ourselves. But yes, Trace uh, mentioned we've never covered Crash before. That's so wow. awesome. Really glad you guys are here for this one. Yes. Yeah, l- l- luckily th- this one could could also double as a horror queers episode because of this mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we love to talk with our guests every week about what we've been watching, whether that's film or television. What have you guys been watching recently? Um, God, <laughs> I, I was, I was prepared for this question, which shouldn't be a hard question to answer, but I feel like Joe and I have both been so busy just because it is pride month and everything. But, um, uh, we actually guested on another podcast, uh, last week and we watched the, a horror, a horror-ish film, Siege, from 1983. Ooh. Have y'all heard of this movie? Mm, I've heard mm-hmm. of it. I never saw it, though. Basic premise is uh, the police in Canada, it's another Canadian film, are on strike. So the police are not helping anybody. So a group of people are call- calling themselves the New Order are running around trying to take over Nova Scotia and you know committing a bunch of crimes and shit. And we focus on a gay bar, which gets attacked by a group of these people, and they pretty much uh well stuff happens and one of the gay men in the bar escapes and they hunt him down to an apartment building where all the people in the apartment building decided to protect the gay man and 
kill anyone that comes into the building to get him. And so it's kind of like Assault on Precinct 13 meets Home Alone, um, but oh not gosh. funny. <laughs> Uh, this was a gem. This is a gem. I really, really like this movie. Never heard of it before, but um, it's on Shutter and uh, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, really good in that sort of low budget, but like we're getting creative with our lack of mm-hmm. uh, funds. So we're shooting mm-hmm. it in a really interesting way. It's somewhere between like an exploitation and a B film. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. This kind of sounds right up my alley, to be honest. Yeah, this sounds really good. <laughs> Raina, uh, full disclosure, content warnings. Like the 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 first twenty minutes are pretty brutal. Um, I would heed caution, but uh, yeah, no, this was a film that I, I had really no expectations going into, and was oh, it's a nice tight eighty minutes too, which is always really mm-hmm. fun. But um, <laughs> but uh, I, I was hooked hooked like from beginning to end. It's really good. Wow. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a glowing recommendation. <laughs> that, that was my only movie, but Joe, what do you have? Uh, I was going to talk about the new Blumhouse film, Unhuman, which came out. Um, I've told people that it's kind of like detention style shooting and editing. So like the Joseph Kahn film mm-hmm. uh, from back in the day. So it's very frenetic. It's kind of like watching a movie on speed, but it's about a bunch of high school students who find themselves in the middle of kind of like a zombie apocalypse but it's like people are acting really bizarrely and they're being hunted so they have to take refuge in an abandoned structure in the woods and they don't really know who they can trust um the movie i think has a bit of a controversial ending i've seen a lot of straight critics think that it's interesting and kind of innovative like that ending and as a queer person i was like oh i actually would like more queer people to watch this movie so i can have a conversation about what didn't quite work for me but uh it does star brian Ju from uh the screen tv series and the i know what you did last summer series and she's fucking great in it so for no other reason than that i would recommend that's it. so funny because joe the av club review for that the headline is unhuman is unwatchable <laughs> yeah it, it's Ooh. tough like it's the editing style is over the top it's by uh marcus dunston the guy who did the collector films and the feast films yeah. so you kind of know what you're in for if you've seen those um, and uh, to, to finish out our set, I'm just because I know Joe watches this too. Um, I just finished, and I think Joe, you just started season three, but I just finished season two of Paramount Plus's Evil, which Ooh. is definitely one of my favorite shows that is currently airing. Uh, have you all seen any of this? No, I haven't. No, that sounds. What mm. is it? it okay, so hear me out. It's season one aired on CBS, and oh. then they moved it to Paramount Plus for season two, and now it's season three is premiered premiered uh, on on Paramount Plus, but it is basically, uh, you've got a criminal psychologist, you've got a man training to become a priest, and you've got a what is Ben, Joe? Is he a scientist? Yeah, he's kind of like a technology guy. He's like very interested in just unpacking and debunking conspiracies. Yeah, so these three people are hired by the Catholic Church to go investigate paranormal or demonic activities, Mm -hmm. because they they are the ones that have to judge whether it is actually real, and merits the Catholic church sending out a priest to do an exorcism. And it is bananas. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I would compare it to something like it's kind of like a modern day X-Files of sorts. Of sorts, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it gets weird. It gets dark. And I, I use the caveat with saying, oh, the first season aired on CBS because it's outside of its kind of episodic structure, but there are like, there is a procedural arc um, across mm. the series. 
Um, it is unlike anything I have ever really seen on CBS. And it's dark. It's really fucked up. Uh, if you're a Lost watcher. Uh, uh, I was uh, just about to ask. Yep. <laughs> Michael Emerson is the main kind of villain of the series. But like. Yeah, I, I mean, it, look, it's weird. Like, I mean, the first season has an episode where he's in a psychiatry room uh, having a therapy session with this therapist who is revealed to be a giant goat demon. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and there's an episode in the second season where they have to go to a monastery that's taken a vow of silence, so the whole episode is done without dialogue. I love that. Oh, okay, say no more. I'm sold on that alone. <laughs> yeah, I, same. I, I, I prom- <laughs> well, and the good thing about the move to Paramount Plus is that they can start doing R-rated stuff. So, I mean, the first mm. season in general already had some really dark stuff especially one episode involving a kid that um, wound up getting killed mm-hmm. uh, but now that they're on a streaming platform they can really lean into the r-ratedness of it all yeah now, as soon as you started describing the plot i remembered what show it was and i remember when the commercials first came out for it i was really interested but then i never did anything with that i never watched it so that's a, i'm g- glad to hear a good review because that makes me want to watch it for sure definitely one of the best horror shows out there yeah that's so awesome Raina, what have you been watching? Uh, so I have two things this week. Uh, the first one is I randomly started watching the Queer as Folk reboot oh, on Peacock. It's really good. Eh? Oh, yeah. It's really good. Like it like got its hooks into me. And I think I sat there and binged like eight episodes in one sitting. Nice. I do. I do like uh, the diversity angle of it. Like not only is it gays, it's also trans, lesbians, bi's, uh, non-gender conforming people. It just mm-hmm. feels like very authentic. I think my main criticism with it is I kind of don't like how it's like centered around like the aftermath of a tragedy. Yeah. Just because I feel like we have like enough like tragic gay stories. Mm-hmm. Um, like for those of you that don't know, um, this isn't a spoiler because this is like the premise of the series. It's mm-hmm. about a group of friends uh, that survive a gay nightclub shooting. Mm-hmm. Ah. And it's about just them dealing with like the trauma and like trying to readjust to their lives after it. Very good though. Um, mostly gay and queer actors. Um, love it. It's just it's just something I would recommend on Peacock because I I mean I don't know Peacock's like quality of like their content usually, but I really dug this. It's it's something that hooked me almost instantly. And the other one is this isn't really like a movie or a TV show, but I have been watching a lot of it. Is I've been watching a lot of that new game, The Quarry. Oh, I just bought that, so no spoilers. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> yeah, I won't say spoilers. My husband and I just uh, we finished chapter three last night. So yeah, I'm also like not done with it yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so you guys want to know the main reveal? It's like happens like this. No. i will say as someone who beats the drum of like online that oh until dawn is like an underrated like horror masterpiece i want to say i kind of like this one a little bit better so far i'm like nearing the end really yeah and i feel like if they land the third act this will probably be higher than until dawn in my book like for one the acting is already better and um, the characters, my God, you just mm-hmm. fall in love with every single character. I think that's the biggest strength is like, like you said, Trace, you're like at the end of chapter three, right? Mm-hmm. They spend like multiple chapters where you're just getting to know this group of people. But, but but the thing with the thing is this, and I love Until Dawn too, but that is a game where I think the first two hours of Until Dawn are pretty slow and 
borderline boring. That was not the case with the Corey. I was like, this is oh, that's good to hear. So entertaining. It's very funny. You're right. All the actors are better. And there's a queer component. I have been trying to get Miles Robbins to fuck Justice Smith in this game Ooh. for the entire time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hello. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. you can do it. And you can make them break up or kiss. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, until Dawn was my first uh, PS5, or sorry, PS4 game. Like on Christmas Day, I played mm. and beat the whole game because it was like the first thing that I had for my PS4. And yeah. I'm obsessed with that game. So I've been really excited for the Quarry. I just got it like yesterday or the day before. I can't wait. I would say like... It's weird because Supermassive's like, oh, don't expect anything like Dark Pictures anthologies because they're like, we go a little bit more wild with the these ones. But the Corian Until Dawn, we have to like adhere more to like the horror tropes like of the genre. And like both of them are longer games, so they have time to play more with their characters. And I'm like, okay, well, those are the two elements that are like missing out of all those like Dark Picture games because yeah. I haven't liked a single one of those. Yeah. In fact, I thought House of Ashes was very bad once it got to the review. The, the, the big reveal i like deleted it off my hard drive and stopped playing it oh wow <laughs> yeah it is like that bad of a game like the reveal in that game is so dumb and so ham-fisted that i was like you ruined it like a story where like Ashley Tisdale plays a military lead. Oh, no. <laughs> to, 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 to be fair, though, and I, I will, because I actually started playing House of Ashes this weekend, uh, and I, I do think it's very boring, but also the 2003 Iraq war setting doesn't really appeal to me, period. Mm. Um, what Until Dawn and the Quarry have going for them is that I think that they're very, well, A, they are clearly homaging very specific horror films and they're playing into that, but they're also, they're not funny, but they are tongue in cheek in that they're like, mm -hmm. we know mm -hmm. what we're doing. Like the Quarry is a summer camp slasher movie of right. sorts. Um, Whereas those Dark Pictures games don't really have an air of uh, fun or tongue-in-cheekness to them. No, they're, like, deadly serious, which I think is, like, the biggest weakness of them. Like, House yeah. of Ashes was, like, like, like spoilers for House of Ashes, but I don't think anyone here is going to, like, play further through it. And uh, there's, like, a part in House of Ashes where they, like, raid what they think is a terrorist compound. And depending on your choices is whether, like, numerous, like, civilians die or not. Not, not just a terrorist compound. They think it's where Saddam Hussein's weapons are being stored. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, and, 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 like, and, like, plot twist, it turns out it's just, like, a group of farmers. Yeah, and you have to choose to kill some people or not. Yeah, and it's, like, I, I don't think any of that is fun. Like, I don't think either outcome in those situations would are like make for interesting gameplay components of a video game. In fact, I don't even think they should be gameplay components. Like, it felt kind of icky. Mm -hmm. But w going back to what Trey said, the quarry feels like, like, they straight up came out and said, like, oh, like, what are your biggest influences on this? And one of the ones that the director said right off the top of his head is, oh, Sleepaway Camp. So it's like, <laughs> I, I, and you definitely think that movie is a very tongue-in-cheek slasher type movie. So... You kind of know what you're getting into with the quarry. Definitely recommend it. Uh, it's got something ridiculous, like 183 endings, but mm -hmm. we'll we'll see. I'm excited to see how my first playthrough ends. That's awesome. What about you, Steph? Um, I haven't watched too much in this past week. I've been really busy. Um, the only thing I really watched was the new season of Stranger Things. Ooh, same. Yeah, I. I mean, that's nearly a week of content in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good. <laughs> 
but I don't think I've really watched anything. Oh, I did start watching the new season of The Boys, which is oh. four episodes in now, I think. Ooh, oh, no. What? You brought up The Boys. <laughs> we were trying to convince Raina to watch to start watching it when she guessed it on our show last week. <laughs> Wait, Raina, you haven't watched The Boys? Because I'm shocked that she hasn't started oh my watching God. it. Oh, God. Raina. That's like a Raina show. I know. Yeah. I know. I have heard from multiple people that that does sound like a very me show. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's actually crazy to me. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. You would love it. Yeah. You would absolutely love it. Uh, they like told me one part that happens and shown me a screen cap and I was like, okay, say no more. I am sold. I will watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and then my internet went out. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's seriously so good. I'm obsessed with it. Wait, so Steph, did you, you loved Stranger Things, right? Yeah. I'm interested to hear a little bit more about that because like I'm kind of seeing like more lukewarm responses on this season. Better than season three. (laughs) Whoa, hold on. Hold on. Like way better. Season three is like actually good though. I only like the Scoops Ahoy part of season three. I don't care about any other part of that season. And I'm a big Stranger Things fan. Sorry, Steph, you go ahead. But like... (laughs) Uh, no, I I loved season three. I've loved pretty much every season, honestly, but I think this season is probably my second favorite after season one. I agree with that. Huh. It was just so, like, gripping, and it's very... They really leaned into the horror element, which I love. Yeah, it's gory as fuck. Like, <laughs> like it's, like, yeah. kind of scary, like, as far as Stranger Things goes. Like, yeah. they... They were very ambitious and made some bold moves. And I was like, okay. I just hated how long every single fucking episode was. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I honestly, like, I was disappointed because I walked out of Crimes of the Future, the new one. And everyone had been like, oh, yeah, everyone was walking out of my theater for it. Everyone was walking out of blah, 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 blah. It was so, like, hard to watch. And I was like, why was why? the new Stranger Things harder to watch than Crimes of the Future? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally, I was pissed because I thought I'd see more gore or, like, I don't know, body horror in Crimes of the Future. I thought it'd be, like, more upsetting. I was ready for it. And then I went and it wasn't upsetting. And I literally had just watched Stranger Things the night before. And I was like, why is this children's show more upsetting than <laughs> Yeah, the new Cronenberg movie. Like, what no, the you're fuck? right though, because like I watched out of I walked out of Crimes of the Future. Like, wow, I really expected this to like fucking like scar yep. me. Yep, and it was fine. It's fine. It was just yeah. fine. It's 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 not an intense watch. It's intense if like you go in like thinking it's going to be intense, or if you're like a normie and you're just like, oh my god, we're doing an autopsy on a child. Like, okay, sure. So like, true shit. I shot. I saw it in like a very conservative area of Arizona and like pretty much like the 10 people that were in my theater besides me all got up and walked out at some point and like one guy was like that's crazy he like stood up and he announced to the room he's like this movie is hot garbage and he walked out oh my god give it up wow well we'll have more to say about that in our future episode covering that movie (laughs) okay I might rewatch Stranger Things, but all those episodes are so damn long that I'm like, Ugh, do I want to sit through that shit? Because I don't care about the Hopper storyline or the Russia storyline.
I thought that was interesting. It's a very small portion of the show. I don't give a shit about the Russia storyline either right now. Like I, that's why I didn't care for season three that much because too much of the Russia storyline. Yeah. I guess I'm just dumb and I'm like, Ooh, bright firework colors and (laughs) summer vibes and, (laughs) and Elle has long hair and you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Right. Yeah. I think the only thing I would say I didn't enjoy about this season, I mean, spoiler for anyone who's watching but um the whole like going back to this basically school shooting plot uh i don't know i didn't it was very hard to watch just especially when it came out like a week after mm-hmm. or a couple days after the the most recent big shooting um isn't it weird how both that and kenobi both kind of had like school related massacres like a week after a real one yeah i don't think that like it's like i've seen people criticizing kenobi for that but that's order 66 was everyone so i don't think that's a fair criticism because it's like not just the younglings or whatever but this one was very much school shooting like i i think i think the more troublesome aspect is that when you say uh it came out after the latest shooting i yeah. couldn't even tell which you one? which one that is yeah that's yeah. true that's yeah. true it's 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 like it's never gonna come out at like a time where it is comfortable no. to talk about any of that stuff i just mean like the visuals of it like seeing the kids like yeah yeah sprawled out multiple times it's just like holy shit like that's mm-hmm. again I can do horror, but that was like a lot to see. Um, But anyway, sorry, Steph. Anything else that you watched this week? No, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she's like i'm good yeah <laughs> i'm uh i'm finally back to watching movies again so um after my like month of only watching what we watched for the show uh so other than stranger things i watched malevolent which was bad <laughs> but i love Fior- florence Pugh, so like that's why i watched it um oh i was like wait a minute like <laughs> sorry there was a movie called malevolence that i was like that's a good movie though but wait, oh, that no. makes sense <laughs> no yeah um i actually fun fact okay so i was on uh netflix and i was searching for malignant but i forgot the name of malignant and i typed in malevolent and then i watched <laughs> malevolent and i was like this isn't Whoa. malignant <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> you did you did my boy Gabriel dirty. Okay, wait. No, I know. That's that's really funny though, because when Malignant came out, I told my dad, I was like, Dad, you have to watch Malignant. It has this bonkers like twist ending. And he t- messaged me back and was like, that wasn't very good. What twist are you talking about? Because there's some movie from 2010 also called Malignant that he <laughs> just put on, on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no. And I realized immediately, but then Florence Pugh was on my screen. And I was yeah. like, well, I'll like, just finish this movie. Yeah. yeah um, and then I watched Paranormal Activity for like the thousandth time. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, I went and saw episode Star Wars Episode One in theaters, which was really fun. Um, and then I watched Step Brothers, so that was my my nice. little week of movie. <laughs> mm. Wait, did nobody else watch Jurassic World Dominion? <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we yeah, we, we watched that nah. and we we talked about it on our Patreon. It's fine. It's, yeah, it's, it's fine. enjoyable for what it is. Uh, yep, th- that's what I was gonna say. I'm like, it's fine. I didn't yeah. even see the second one. Uh, 
uh, I think both Joe and I would argue that the second one's probably the best of the world trilogy. Oh, um, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a thousand percent the I best one of this the new trilogy. One. Yeah, I so saw the first one and I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Same. Uh, it's really same. Ooh, that, <laughs> that You're new not going to like the new dead. one better. <laughs> yeah. Although, first... I would argue that World is the weakest of the World trilogy. <laughs> Interesting. It it's the worst of the entire Jurassic saga. Wow. The first one's worse than the third one? Yeah. Yes. I, 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 oh, look, wow. I, 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 people are hating on Dominion. Uh, I, it's definitely, it's a thing where I'm just kind of like, I mean, y'all saw Jurassic World. Y'all saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Like this, this honestly isn't much better or worse than either one of those films. It really boils down to just personal preference for me. But personal preferences, yeah. I mean, for me, it's like the world is the worst one. Oh, that that actually it's, makes it, me want to see the second and third one because if it's not yeah, worse than but, the first one, then I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I feel better. like they're both better. I feel like so many people go into it like thinking it's going to be some amazing movie, and I'm like, it's literally Jurassic World. Like, it's yeah. just a popcorn mm-hmm. flick. Like, yes, I don't expect anything well, amazing yeah. out of it. Like, I just want to be entertained. <laughs> I think it's like because uh, the Jurassic Park movies are some of my favorite mo- movies. Yeah. So like, um. I don't know. I didn't. And Jurassic World came out when I still really liked Chris Pratt, you know, Mm. like after his Parks and Rec Guardians of the Galaxy like thing. So, (laughs) Um, so I had really high hopes for it. And I love Bryce Dallas Howard with all my heart. Like that's my my wife right there. So (laughs) you'll you'll um, like you'll like Fallen Kingdom and Dominion. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That makes me that makes me happy then because I. That's that's my woman. So <laughs> big same. She's big she's same. actually good in Dominion. I would say she's like one of the few that are good in it. Why do you say actually? Awesome. Like she's not normally. <laughs> well, you listen. I don't Jurassic like World any. Sucks. No, I know she's. Yeah, like I don't. That's why I, I don't was like anything. I don't like anything, anything, anything about Jurassic World. In fact, I venture to say it's probably one of the worst blockbusters I've ever seen. <laughs> Wow. Okay, let's not get hyperbolic with this shit. No, no. <laughs> hyperbolic. I'm flipping the table. Bad movie. Bad. No, I'm kidding. Um, and if you're listening, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, I'll give you my number. Also, please direct a Star Wars movie. I'm begging. Oh my god. Make solo please. two happen, Bryce Dallas Howard. Please, 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 please. please. Okay. We, we got the Star Wars talk going. It's time to move on. <laughs> I'm with you, Thank Madison. You. Uh Speaking of uh, being with somebody, uh, why don't we all take a quick break for an ad read? Oh, Jesus. Folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bring you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From bumper stickers that tell the world about your love for the 1999 classic The Mummy to stylish hats that celebrate the fine works of Nora Ephron. They even have super soft t-shirts based off the internet's favorite collective husband, Oscar Isaac. Super Yaki brings you tangible love letters to the movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally 
family-friendly alternative to online shopping. And for our listeners, you can enter the code SUPERWINDSOR in all caps to receive 10% off your entire order. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. Alrighty, Steph, how about you go ahead and introduce our movie for this week? Absolutely. So... Today, we are talking about Crash, released in 1996, directed by David Cronenberg. This movie stars James Spader, Holly Hunter, Elias Cotius. I don't know how to pronounce that. Elias Cotius. Elias Cotius. I was completely wrong. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Deborah Cara Unger. Unger. I've had a lot of gin. Uh, Rosanna Arquette. (laughs) And it is about... uh, (laughs) All right. So after getting into a serious car accident, a TV director discovers an underground subculture of scarred omnisexual car crash victims who use car accidents and the raw sexual energy that they produce to rejuvenate his sex life with his wife. It was released under a storm of controversy. The film nabbed a special jury award at the 1996 Cannes Cannes Festival for originality, for daring, and for audacity, uh, which I definitely (laughs) will agree with. (laughs) Um, The film currently sits at a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, and critics say, despite the surprisingly distant clinical direction, Crash's explicit premise and sex is classic Cronenberg territory. Okay. Okay. That's a lot to take in. Um, (laughs) Chase and Joe, uh, what are your histories with this particular Cronenberg flick? I'll do mine really quickly because Joe has more of one. I have no history with this film. This is the first time watch for me. (laughs) Me too. Oh, okay. So I have seen Crash more than any other David Cronenberg film. It's my favorite of his filmography. And I will admit, I was thinking about this last night as I was rewatching it. It's probably tied a little bit into child childhood. I'm using air quotations. Uh, teenage nostalgia. <laughs> so in Canada, we had kind of like a blue moon sort of like racy TV network that would show a lot of foreign films. Like they showed the UK Queers Folk on it and basically anything's gently envelope pushing would end up on this station called Showcase. And Crash debuted on network television on Showcase in, I think it was like 1997, like a year or so afterwards. Uh, And I remember telling my mother that I wanted to watch it because it was a Canadian art house film. And really it was because I was a deeply closeted sexual conservative. So I wanted to like get my rocks off watching this like sexy movie (laughs) and this film like totally blew my mind it's what introduced me to art films it was my first david cronenberg film and uh yeah my mom definitely was like oh cool let me sit here and watch this movie (gasps) with you so many pieces are falling into place (laughs) Uh yeah um i mean admittedly anybody who's seen crash knows that it's not the sexy movie that you think it's gonna be it's like kind of the anti-sexy sexy movie you think it's going to be so in that regard uh yeah it's a very memorable watch 
Says you. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, so, about the unsexy so, part. <laughs> oh, I just I was like, like people go in up. and they think, oh, it's going to be so hot. And you're like, it is, but it's also it is, though. like people compare this to pornography because people are so disaffected in the movie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stepping all over everybody else's no, reading no, stuff. But, no, you're, no, you're right. This is you're great. right. I, I saw so much more bush in this movie than I expected <laughs> to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, look, I, I am someone who every time I see Deborah Carr Unger, I'm like, oh, it's that lady from white noise that movie i never saw but the trailer oh, i saw a thousand times in the theaters back <laughs> in my 2004-2005 um and i'm honestly after seeing this movie i'm a little bummed she's not more famous mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean she's in that yeah, silent film great. movie as well yeah mm-hmm. that's what i know her from yeah hey, wait. While you were watching Crash Premiere on Canadian television, I was born that year. Oh, um, God. <laughs> when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, oh, no. I, I'm sorry. That was the first segue I could think of. Um, but I also have, like, teenage memories. I The first time I saw this was in a room of, like, a bunch of rowdy teenage boys and i was oh. the only girl watching it Ooh, um, oh no oh no and it was <laughs> it was an experience for sure um i was a very cons- like i grew up like very like sheltered um with sexual movies and stuff like that so i was allowed to watch like violence and gore but i wasn't allowed to watch like people making out on tv mm-hmm. um so my freshman year of high school I had this group of like senior junior and senior guys that adopted me in their group and they showed me this movie and um, (laughs) it was different for me for sure. (laughs) But uh, like it was a fun it was a fun day. It was like happy memories. So I was excited to revisit the film like as an adult and after seeing a lot more Cronenberg movies than I had at the time Mm -hmm. and definitely very different experience. Uh, I had like my cat on my lap and I was journaling while watching last night so it was very different than like a rowdy group of teenagers that are like oh there's boobs on the tv but (laughs) (laughs) um but it was fun for sure good movie not my favorite Cronenberg but it's a fun one for sure so this is not only my favorite Cronenberg but this is also like one of my favorite movies of all time 100% like full stop like you ask me top five favorite movies crashes somewhere in there um I had seen this in high school and I was like the edgy like metalhead person I was like I want to see just the gnarliest like most fucked up movies ever and like Mm -hmm. I would literally just search online like fucked up movies and (laughs) Crash was one that always came up so I ordered a DVD copy off eBay and watched it and uh was kind of mind blown i was like oh there's at the time like in my head i was like there's not enough sex in this um oh my gosh <laughs> but... <laughs> your description what? your description of yourself like in my mind is just like average bestgore.com user <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny. But, no. um, but Sorry, continue, yeah, continue. at the time, at at the time, and also like I was pretty closeted at the time when mm. the gay scene came up. I was like, "Ew, gay." Um, oh. Obviously, not, don't think like that now. But yeah. uh, that scene was I, uh, a, revelatory for me at my age. For me, it was I, the, I the it ladies was, in this one. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah um but it it stuck with me it's a movie that i always revisited i think i watch it at least like twice a year 
I watched it twice this week. I don't know. Wow. It probably says something about my mental state. <laughs> um, but it's, I feel like the movie has so much to say from a simple premise of like, oh, these people get off to car accidents. But mm-hmm. it's a lot deeper than that. Um, I won't dive in just yet because I want to know Steph's impressions of a first time watch. So Steph and Trace were like our two first timers here. And I think they're yeah. on pol- polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Oh, so Steph, you did not like this movie is what you're saying. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. But, but let's unpack that. So, so if you could summarize why you didn't like this movie, what, what, what would your response be? Um, well, I... I just, I felt very uncomfortable <laughs> throughout this whole movie. And, yeah, like, um... I, I've actually liked... Okay, so, for, like, full context, I had never seen any Cronenberg before we started Cronenberg Month. I was a newbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, except I had seen Cosmopolis. That's the only one I'd seen. Um, okay. And I hated Cosmopolis. I hated <laughs> the original Crimes of the Future. I loved Dead Ringers and I loved mm-hmm. the new Crimes of the Future. So I was like, okay, I'm like two out of four <laughs> so far. Like, all right, let's see where this goes. And then I saw this and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so, it sounds like you like the proper body horror ones and not the kind of more esoteric ones. Well, I guess. But uh, do you, cause this film is very cold and detached and a lot of Cronenberg's work. I think work, that's my problem. Yeah, which I understand that because I mean, I, I'm assuming you have not seen his remake of The Fly. No. But that's a film where I'm like, I mean, it's a, it's definitely body horror. It's very gross. And I would always like warn people, hey, this movie's gross before showing it to them. But that aside, I think it's very accessible and it has, it's mm-hmm. a love story at its heart. Mm-hmm. Whereas Crash is most definitely not a love story yeah yeah i'm okay with like body horror and gore as long as it like has some sort of emotional element to it i guess like i think that's why Mm. i really loved dead ringers because it was very emotional Mm -hmm. and like i could empathize with the characters and in crash i just like i don't give a fuck about any of these characters i don't know what the hell is going on it's just the entire (laughs) movie is just everyone's horny and fucking each other and everyone's Mm -hmm. like oh wow a car crash let's let's bang and that's kind of like a perfect friend group though (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) i I was just like i don't know i think like sex mixed with horror makes me uncomfortable Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's just a me thing. I just but, it's uh, no, but but I think I I think you're supposed to be uncomfortable for a lot of this movie. Yeah. Like, I think that's very much part of the point. Um, and I won't get too much into analysis just yet. But I because I, I have the Criterion Blu-ray of this, and it it doesn't come with a booklet. It comes with a a, a fold-out like fold poster. Out, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. It. <laughs> but on the back is is an article written by uh, Jessica Kiang. It's called "The Wreck of the Century." But she and I didn't even think about this in reading it, but um. She she talked about how the film is really a reaction to adults' uh, uh, fears and worries leading into the new millennium and Y2K mm-hmm. and how it kind of works as a metaphor for fatalistic dissociation. And that dissociation in this film just happens to be car crash fetishes. But that's why everyone's <laughs> so numb because they're like, oh, the world's going to end. So let's just kill ourselves. Wait, that's kind of cool. Sorry, that's 
a really interesting read on it. I'm so I I'd never heard that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if if you ever get the criterion, it's on the fold out. I honestly I might buy it off of Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Please do, because I do not want it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I literally because we were supposed to watch this, and I was like, "Fuck, this isn't streaming anywhere." I went to my local like rental store, and they didn't have it, so I had to buy it for like forty dollars mm-hmm. at Barnes and Noble. And then I was like, "Fuck, I hate this movie." <laughs> I so me me and Steph had made a deal. She was like, "If I like this movie, you don't have to pay me for this, but if I don't, you have to pay me." Ooh. And then I was like, "But I, I think Reina, though, now now that we know Steph's taste of Cronenberg, I think it's." Gonna be really easy to just go through filmography and be like, "Hey, from the ones you're probably gonna like yeah. the most to the ones you're probably gonna like the least, here's the order." Because mm-hmm. I can guarantee you could yeah. figure that out based on her opinions right yeah. now. Oh That's yeah, true. no, I have a read. <laughs> I loved. I actually am so. I, yesterday I was really really annoyed that this wasn't on streaming, and today I'm really really grateful because I just moved to the Bay Area. And because this wasn't streaming anywhere, I found a really, really tiny local movie rental store. Um, and it literally has one employee. It's the owner. It's been around since 83. He has a whole Cronenberg section yes. on his wall. And I signed up for a membership. So I'm going to rent all the rest of the Cronenberg movies we do from that store. And I'm so excited. Yes. So I'm so glad that they didn't have this on streaming or I would have kept renting off of apple which who wants to fucking support apple i'd much rather do this small business like i'm so excited about it so so is the version you got though like was it edited or cut like like, or was it the nc-17 version i watched the nc-17 version yeah Yeah, I, i i didn't really know much about the home video releases for this yeah, there was uh, the two, they had both versions on the disc. So I chose the Ooh. NC-17 one just in case uh, mm-hmm. you guys watched it. So like, yeah, <laughs> um, no, but it's so cool. And it like this podcast now, like help me find a business I can't wait to support. So I'm, I'm really happy about it. That's so awesome. I'm sorry that Steph had to, oh, I just hit my mic. I'm sorry that Steph had to buy it, but <laughs> if it had been on streaming, uh, I wouldn't have found this cool little place. So I'm so but happy. Li- li- <laughs> listen, listen, Steph, I'm going to pay you for your copy and no. just mail it to Madison. No, 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 no. Because no, no. what's going to happen is this Criterion Blu-ray is going to go out of print eventually, and it will be worth a lot of money. Mm, oh, probably very right. soon, okay, actually. People were hinting at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Madison's like, fuck. Yeah, I'll just buy it. I'll just go to Barnes and Noble. It's probably one of the like better like Criterion remasters too. Like the film's fucking gorgeous. It like, looks really oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. It looked beautiful. I was really, I, um, I was really trying to love it. I really was. Speaking <laughs> to Steph's discomfort, uh, I watched Shivers last week, and I know you didn't, Steph. You um, wouldn't have liked it. Um, no. It's well, literally no. just about. Really? No, I think Shivers is actually really accessible. <laughs> no, raping oh, people because it's the body horror. It, yeah, it's more body horror than it is like the sexual stuff. It's but they are very intermixed. Also, I, like, I love body horror. I, I just wanted to have like. Uh, I need like empathy. I need to have a character Ooh. that I root for. Maybe not then. Shivers was fun. I didn't feel connected to any of the characters. Yes. Um, even though it's fun, but it is a lot about sexual assault, and it's another Cronenberg mm. movie with pedophilia in it. Um, and there's incest in it. Oh no. Uh, so well, okay, I don't okay, think okay, Steph would have liked it. 
Okay, but 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 okay, Steph, Shivers is like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but it takes place entirely inside an apartment complex. But instead of like the aliens, I mean, they take you over. But what they do is they make you super fucking horny. And <laughs> so basically, anyone that gets one of these little slugs inside them, it just has to go fuck everything. But I what? feel like if she doesn't like horror mixed with sex, then she's not gonna like the movie that's well, just about horror mixed with sex. That's a valid point. No, but I was thinking about because because I, I, I agree that there's not really a character to latch onto in shivers but the aesthetic of that is less cold distance and detached than what is in crash it's true and it is a whirlwind i watched it at my job oh god at my desk oh, no. which was a choice more eventful that i made but i feel like that spiced it up a little bit you know so like anyone can <laughs> so, catch so, yeah. any moment and there's just like a uh, fucking boobs on the screen it's crazy <laughs> oh my god hear me out the only way we can find out what steph thinks about shivers is actually have her watch it okay i feel like i need to <laughs> nevertheless i mean i think you'll be good with history of violence eastern promises the fly oh, sure. pro- yeah, yeah. probably scanners um, and you get to see Diego mortensen's penis <gasps> yeah. i'm yeah. sold sold i'm in i saw i saw both of those movies when i was very young girl like elementary school um <laughs> because my parents had them on dvd and they did not monitor what i watched in my bedroom so i would just like go through their little dvd case and be like this isn't allowed for me and i'd watch it and i so i saw both those movies and i was obsessed with lord of the rings so you will you will connect the dots on the Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> I'm also obsessed but, with Lord um, of the Rings, so that checks out. <laughs> so, so these are some wild tangents, but I kind of want to get back to what I'm Trace so said sorry, about I'm so <laughs> no, 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 no. I love it. I love how Cronenberg gets everybody riled up. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, it's one of the reasons he's one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, I definitely love that reading you had trace or the reading from the criterion yeah. where because this movie post pandemic i had a very different view on because mm-hmm. like sometimes you do reach that point in life where like you're like nothing matters like what's gonna thrill me anymore and that almost carries over into cronenberg's work even to this day with crimes of the future mm-hmm. where like everyone is disassociating they're just trying different things mm-hmm. to feel something i'm gonna i'm gonna recycle my joke from last week which was uh this movie is just what it's like having sex on lexapro uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean you just gotta I, I, find something new <laughs> i will say i mean i i during i i, I like this movie quite a bit um but during watching i was i was very much like a because again, I think there are a lot of readings you can make of this film, which we'll talk about, but I was kind of like, huh, what is the point of all this? Um, because it's just very much like, okay, yeah, we uh, people are on it. It's a lot of white people who are so bored <laughs> that they feel that they develop this fetish for car crashes. And we don't really like, I don't know. I don't really, there's not really a journey. Like where James oh, Spader I strongly began, disagree with that. Go, let, let's go ahead then too, because I'm just kind of like, cool. Like they, ha- they like car crashes we're done like that's it <laughs> no it's about james literally role-playing as vaughn at the end of the mm-hmm. film like he mm-hmm. has taken over he's inherited his car he's like the movie opens with james and his wife Catherine trying to find some kind of emotional connection they're clearly not making it in their marriage which is why they're like fucking everybody else yeah. and like she has this line like oh well maybe next time you'll make 
you'll make your TV assistant come or like yeah. maybe you'll next time you'll make me come because we never, we only see one person finish in this movie. That would be Vaughn. We get to see his semen on the, um, on the car seat, but that's like mm-hmm. basically a sexual assault. So it's not great. Yeah. And like the end of the movie is literally James taking over the identity of another man in an effort to resuscitate, not just his marriage, but also like everything that matters in his life. Mm-hmm. And it ends with him trying, to like recreate that moment and it still doesn't come yeah and i think the journey the journey itself is seeing how far um people will go to feel something and like he obviously Mm -hmm. starts out very normal like normal enough he's just in like an open marriage but that's still very normal at least to today's standards wasn't Mm -hmm. in the 90s as much i'm sure but to today's standards where they start out in their marriage is the new normal. And, um, it's a path that he goes down of constantly pushing himself to the next like comfort zone to feel anything, to literally feel anything at all. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting. I didn't know about that whole, like, again, I don't remember Y2K, Y2K. like (laughs) (laughs) that means nothing to me. Um, but um, I do suffer from like mental health stuff. So I do understand that feeling of like, what can I do to just feel anything like when you're in any state like that? And I thought it was so interesting as an adult rewatching it. Cause as a kid, I was just like, <laughs> they're having sex. Like, right, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But like as an adult sitting down and like, God, they're, it's so sad. They're so desperate to feel anything that they put their own lives at risk for like an adrenaline rush to try and come and they can't like and it's just like and the fact that the only time we see a person finishing is with a sexual assault is like it's sad because with a lot of ways that like certain the the porn industry has gone like a lot of people can only do that now if they're watching like mm-hmm. fake sexual assault and that is the path that it goes down that's the biggest dist- extreme at the end so it's mm-hmm. like i don't know i found that really interesting and i feel like we see this character just like they're like they're decaying as they try to find the next thing they're physically impairing themselves just for just to get off like you have them literally driving around in a lincoln that's like getting more and more wrecked as the movie goes on like like, it it reflects them as people like yeah okay you're you're saying that it was sad i feel like it's just disgusting like it's the one guy literally like dies and kills a dog and then Uh, that other guy whose name i forget is like oh wow you did the crash and you killed the dog how awesome i mean like seeing not seeing the characters i forget the main characters names the the married couple james 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 and catherine seeing james and catherine's journey is sad to me because they're Mm -hmm. falling into uh a way of life that isn't healthy for them to feel anything. And I think that's sad. I think that's the same as falling into any addiction to feel something. It is, it is heartbreaking to see, and it's, it's not what's best for them, but it's what they choose to feel. And I think that is very heartbreaking. Well, and I mean, like, you know, you mentioned mental illness, Madison, but yeah, I think let's remove the Y2K component from it and just say, yeah, let's say this is a movie about depression. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I think that can really follow to that too, because this movie feels very depressed and these characters are looking for something that will make them feel anything because again, if we want to say depression or whatever, they don't Mm -hmm. feel anything. And it takes something as fucked up as this, as, as harmful as this. And it's not just harmful to them, but harmful to others around them. Others around them. Exactly. It's literally implode. It's like a bomb went off. It doesn't just affect the person that set the bomb off. It affects everyone in a radius around them and like even the color palette Cronenberg chooses it's depressing it feels very Seattle and I get that it's Canada I'm from Seattle sorry um (laughs) but like I get that it's Canada which is close but like it's just this dreary gray Mm -hmm. color palette all the characters wear very similar colors the only time that there's brightness or warmth is when they're in that apartment where all of the characters kind of like congregate um which that's their safe space though exactly. because that's where that's where that's, all of them yeah <laughs> yep that's exactly what i'm saying is like and they're joking around and they're having a drink and smoking and like that's where touching they get, each other <laughs> yeah and like joking about what they're doing and that's the only sense of warmth we get and and anytime they're outside of that space whenever they're in a car or whenever they're outside it's just dreary. It's just mm-hmm. sad. And I feel horrible for these people that like cannot feel like they're married. This is a married couple and they don't, they clearly don't love each other. Like they can enjoy each other's company, but it doesn't seem like love at least from the outside. Um, I I don't know if I fully Although agree the with end that. Kissing oh, scene, actually, the, the end scene on the, like when the crap, final crash happens and they're kissing i guess you could view that like it just doesn't feel like they're connected and that's why they're doing this so maybe they love each other but they're not connected to each other you know what i mean i agree that's so sad i like literally had to google halfway through the movie to make sure they were married yeah like that's how much i didn't know (laughs) and then at the end like the scene that you're saying when they were kissing i was like hey this is sweet but even before they started kissing before he checked on her he like went into the car and was like "Ooh, exactly i'm so turned on by this car and then he was like oh shit my wife (laughs) and the fact that she's sad it didn't go far enough when she's literally laying there sprawled out that's horrifying. That yeah. is so sad. I was like, what like, the fuck? I, yeah. I think for me, though, uh, the reason I say I do think they're in love is because I don't think that two people who weren't in love would willingly stay in this kind of relationship. I do that's think they're true. just connected. Yeah. I, I do think that they're having yeah. issues with their sex life, clearly. But that's because also neither one of them are finding they don't enjoy sex with each other unless they're other. I mean, again, they, bo- they both get off when they're telling each other about their extramarital yes. affairs. So, yes. I, yeah. Uh, what I do love about this movie is that it, it, like most Cronenberg, it doesn't seem to be very judgmental of our mm-hmm. character's sexual mm-hmm. habits. And that yeah. includes, of course, yes, the weird car fetish thing. I'm not kidding, shaming, but it's weird. And and the open marriage. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I always love watching movies that depict open relationships because there's a stigma around that and how a lot of people are, view them very negatively. And I don't yeah, think this I want to clarify. I'm so sorry. I want to jump in and clarify <laughs> that I did not mean that they don't love each other because they're in an open marriage. That is not what I meant at all. Oh, yeah, that is yeah. again the least weird thing about this movie. It's so <laughs> normal. <laughs> like, I just want to. You continue. I just wanted to clarify that no, that is no, not no. the point I, I was making. I, 
I, I no, I, I, I didn't think that that was what you were really trying mm-hmm. to say. I was just like, I, I, I just again, I, I feel, I just like watching movies that, that depict something like extramarital or open relationships that way without judgment because I do think yes. it's something that people do judge a lot. Um, even it's now. like how in Dead Ringers, it didn't feel like there was any judgment even towards the twins doing that weird shit that they were doing <laughs> like like it's, well, but it's clinical that, that's that's what yeah. this is right like this detached thing where it's like we're just observers we're scientists mm-hmm. watching these people behave there's no room for judgment here we're just watching people be no i completely well, I think agree. We see that too like traditionally cronenberg is known for having his like bad scientist figures especially in his earlier films and he's moved away from it by the st- by the time he makes Crash, but you could look at James and Vaughn as like flip sides of a coin where they're both approaching this, like Vaughn is very much a scientist in the way he wants to study and recreate these crashes. Like for him, it's it's both an obsession as well as a sexual driver. And I think James gets sucked into his orbit because Vaughn is like a really fascinating, charismatic creature. And mm-hmm. I think- James latches onto that, not just because he finds him different from everyone else in his life, but also because he's like, oh, here's someone I aspire to be. And to me, that's where we start to get into like the more interesting queer themes of this film. Cause it's like, James wants to fuck Vaughn, but also be I feel Vaughn. like Vaughn has the air, Vaughn has the air of a celebrity. He has, even though he's only famous within their community, he has the air of this artist, this celebrity and like again like it's like how queer women joke every single day on twitter i I, i'm sure men do the same thing but i i don't know i'm not in that community but we joke every single day on twitter do i want to be her do i want to be on her like you know what i mean like and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because and usually queer women are talking about celebrities and i feel like vaughn does seem his attitude is famous Mm -hmm. if that makes sense it's just it's infectious yeah and it feels so above everyone and he can he can get away with whatever he wants he he does sexually assault what's her name again i'm so sorry Catherine. i almost said heather there's no heather but it just and he can because he's like their cult leader he's their celebrity i don't know sorry I agree with what you're saying is the point of what I'm saying. (laughs) It's interesting because I think this and Dead Ringers stand out to me in Cronenberg's filmography because they feel the most human. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, everyone Mm -hmm. feels detached Mm -hmm. in Crash, but when we're depressed, we're like that. We're detached from everything. That's how I that's why I feel like I connected to it a lot last night is i've been like i haven't been there i've been fucking cars or whatever (laughs) but but but, but that's the cronenberg metaphor of like over the top and yeah like you said joe you have vaughn as the mad scientist type character of like wanting to meld like flesh and metal to be the next step in human evolution or the next step in what he thinks humans should be um it's it's all just like very fascinating because it's like all done under the guise of like a perfume commercial mm-hmm. almost. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, and it's like it's like where do you go when you've done everything? They've opened up their marriage. They've done everything they can. Where else do they go from there? And it's like I don't know. I feel like ultimately death. Like that's why mm-hmm. he says to exactly. her at the end. He's like, she's like, well, yeah. maybe the next one. That's oh, so, so fucked up. up. I loved it though. I, I hate it. I, I, I hate it. I hate it. I 
after my rewatch, my boyfriend came in because he accident. Okay, the only time he walked in during that whole movie was the legacy scene, which I'm <laughs> sure we'll get to later. Um, but uh, he walked in and he was like, "How was it?" I was like, "Uh, I don't know. That sucked. Like, just I, and I had liked it the first time, so I was like, "Oh, that sucked. Whatever." And then I slept on it and I thought about it a lot and I was like, "Fuck." It's it it's yeah, good. It away at you. <laughs> and I thought about all the points I've been talking about here. It does. It really. I had a dream about it. I had a lot of weird dreams last night, but that was one of them. And wow. <laughs> I don't know. As soon as like my so mind. Hear me out. Tell me that a virtual reality remake where you're experiencing all of this no! and getting that <laughs> thrill no! would not be awesome. My motion sickness would make me throw up as soon as the I movie would throw would start. up just because I would throw up. No, thank you. But yeah. No, I. I had depression when I saw it the first time, but I was also a 14 year old kid and I couldn't like put my thoughts into words or think about movies in the same way as I can now. And last night, my gut reaction on talking about it with someone who doesn't even like horror was, uh, it sucks. And then I thought about it and I thought about all the horror movies I absolutely love that talk about mental health and depression and emptiness and i was like fuck it's just one of those movies of course i like it like i don't know so this was just a movie you didn't like 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 full stop you got nothing walking away from this one right i got nothing i like i felt like i don't know at times i was really bored i was like an hour into the movie and i was like thinking to myself when will this end like that's how much i didn't want to watch i will say that's very much a first time watch experience because you're like it's meandering we're just getting scenes of people fucking and then the occasional car crash and i i'm not trying to dismiss your uh your first time viewing experience because i distinctly remember thinking the film was going to be something very different than what it actually is but um Mm -hmm. i I wouldn't Mm -hmm. put this upon you stuff but i will say it plays exceedingly well the more you rewatch it because you start to take a lot more out of even how individual scenes connect. Like I'm a, a huge fan of how Cronenberg stages the crashes and how he escalates them to the point where we're watching them almost like a, like a metatextual thing where we are James watching this performativity as they do the James Dean crash. And then we stumble upon a non-simulated crash, which is still a simulated crash with the James with the Jane Mansfield with the dog. Mm-hmm. And then finally we move into Vaughn actively trying to create his own. Like he's not trying to recreate crashes anymore. He's trying to instigate them. And I, I love that escalation over the yeah. course of the film. I, I felt like the, the performative crash I actually thought was really interesting. And I was still like pretty invested during that mm-hmm. scene. I think it was like, the moment that lost me was the legacy scene. <laughs> that's when I was like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I think that's so, like an that, hour. That's in. when I was like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like um, you might not have felt this way, but I think that a lot of people on their first time watch as well. When this movie is being described it sounds yeah. campy as oh, fuck. And it's not. Like if I was just going to tell someone about this movie, I, I, I'm guilty of doing this. It sounds campy as fuck. And then you sit down, it's depressing, and you're like, "What the hell is this?" Like, so I'm not saying that's what happened to you, Steph, but I do understand people not liking it on the first watch because you would come in expecting this like really funny, um, laughable plot, like, 
and then starring it's really by the way academy watch, so. award winner holly hunter <laughs> mrs incredible yeah but let's if you've go. seen the piano this isn't that far out of her wheelhouse no. like this feels on par with that oh yeah we have we have lots of women just pulling one tit out of a bra like that happens oh a my lot God. in this okay. movie wait yeah that was so weird to me and like there were scenes of like them holding their own tits and i was like girls don't do that well like, these that's girls not do a thing that feels <laughs> I, good i do i think that. it's so funny too though because <laughs> she she asked to be in this movie before she was wow. set the script mm-hmm. which i'm sorry i think i just spoiled one of the fun facts but i love that because like to me as a 1997 baby that's right. incredible that's all she was to me growing up this so, is like, how she became elastigirl okay um what reina oh no 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 i was just processing that like you mainly only know her from the incredibles and i'm like oh am i old that's not like all i know her <laughs> no, from no, now i mean, I, no, 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 no. Up, I, I, but... I i'm with you i think my introduction with holly honor it was either the movie 13 or it was the britney murphy oh, non-rom-com yeah, yeah. little black book <laughs> oh god oh see see for me it was raised in arizona nope i didn't see that until i was in college well, mine was literally the incredibles mm-hmm. for me yeah <laughs> so like the fact that she asked to be in this movie when cronenberg was worried of actresses turning it away because it's so crazy yeah. she's so cool yeah. for that like and her part so in this awesome. movie is so great like i love the fact yeah. that we basically oh, know so almost nothing about mm-hmm. helen and yet she's mm-hmm. such a memorable character yeah which credit yeah. Mm-hmm. She was the main character. Like, <laughs> sorry, I, I, no, sorry, <laughs> I, 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 and, and credit Hunter that because honestly, uh, Hunter's part isn't really that big in this movie. I was surprised that Unger it kind of takes the female lead role away from Hunter as the film goes on, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, but I was surprised considering that Hunter's second building. No, she she was the second main character to me. Like, I know that mm-hmm. she wasn't, but she yeah. was, you know? As a, as a sidebar, the reason um, that she's second build is because that's how they sold the film. Oh, sure. They needed the two American yeah. stars who could be bankable. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Makes for sense. Sure. Yeah, like, n- this movie doesn't star, like, any Canadians, which is, like, a rarity for Cronenberg, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another fun fact I didn't put in the notes for this week, so we're not going to talk about it then, so we'll talk about it now, is that um, usually, like, Americans film in Toronto and then they pretend that they are filming Mm -hmm. in American city. And um, this one didn't do that. And so the city of Toronto was really excited about it. And they were like doing everything they could to accommodate and be extra, extra helpful because they were so excited that it was going to be set in Toronto instead Mm -hmm. of America. And I just think that's so cute. I (laughs) love that. (laughs) Well, you got to remember that like Dead Ringers is considered like one of the greatest like Canadian films of all time up there. So, so Cronenberg was like royalty by this point. But Joe, isn't that kind of an about face from how the Canadian government thought about shivers whenever they had to give it money? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, And for some reason, I, I mean, I think what Raina just said is totally on point. Like by this point in his career, David Cronenberg was either the most or the second most celebrated Canadian director of all time. Mm-hmm. It was like a breakneck mm-hmm. pace between him and Adam McGoyne throughout the nineties. So they basically couldn't do any wrong, but yeah, when Cronenberg started, like he, he was like the person that everyone hated because he was making horrible, offensive, sexualized, violent content on the taxpayer's dime, which is what this is. <laughs> <laughs> which which I, I, I kind of want to circle back to the violence. Like we, 
talked a little bit about the performative crashes in this movie it feels like almost like a commentary that like we as the audience it like are watching this movie where Uh the whole thing is performative crashes so in a way he's saying like it to me it reads it's like well these people are are getting off to car crashes, but in actuality, they're not that much different than you. Mm-hmm. Like you may not get off to this, but you're still here watching this movie about very sexual car crashes. Mm-hmm. At least that's how I read it. I always get a reading from a Cronenberg movie of like, yeah, the people in this movie may be freaks, but they're not that much different than you. Like you just maybe hide it better. Oh, sure. Like audiences came mm-hmm. to this film because we were tantalized with sex, right? And in a way, Cronenberg absolutely gives it to us. Like this is probably the film that has the most sex in it that I've ever oh, seen boy. that isn't a porn <laughs> film. Um And, you know, you could transpose that onto the characters in this film, only they're not watching each other have sex. Well, they're partially doing that, but then they're also watching the car crashes. But to me, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I find I don't struggle to connect with these characters, at least not after the first couple of watches, because I don't even see them as real people in a way. Like they're so much more metaphorical entities where, yeah, if you want to diagnose them, they can be sort of whatever you want them to be in that capacity. But also I like to me, the car crashes and the sex are the exact same thing yes. in this movie. Like it's just bodies or things crashing together. Well, but but, the, and but so that's I'm so glad you said that, Joe. Because while I was watching this, I actually couldn't help thinking about how my mother would respond to some of oh, these things. But, uh, but I'm a not because oh, it's graphic. <laughs> but literally, in a, in a who would really do this? Like constantly asking questions about how unrealistic yeah. it is, kind of way. And it's like, ooh, this. What did you say, Joe? Uh, pre- earlier this week, you have to press that suspension of disbelief button and just be like, yep. This is just this is just mm-hmm. what people do in the world of this movie. So, I definitely view this as kind of a yeah uh, an alternate reality world, not the quote unquote mm-hmm. real world, if you yeah, will. Yeah, and I feel like it could just be like this might this not a real thing that people do or whatever. Or I don't know what people do, but it could be viewed as like a metaphor for any sure. paraphilia, mm-hmm. like any extreme sexual thing that people do. But this one, they made a made it look weird because it's not something we normally see but we've been normalized to other paraphilias and extreme versions of sex and this one's only weird because we don't Mm -hmm. see it but all of them are weird if you think about it for more than five seconds so no i i I was surprised to read about i mean i I get the controversy because it's so there's so much sex but i actually didn't find this film outside of that that car wash scene to be particularly Mm -hmm. violent um because there was a lot of controversy about the mixing of sexuality with violence and people getting off on violence but i don't know maybe i'm a bit desensitized but i was kind of like i didn't i i don't know this all i i didn't really bat an eyelash uh, at those things well the violence is meant to be the car I think crash it's only no, I the risk of, <laughs> yeah i think it's only that there's the risk of death I think that's the only thing that's violent about it and cronenberg goes on to have a commentary on people being desensitized to all of this with the newest crimes of the future Mm -hmm. like that movie is pretty Mm -hmm. much all about that so i think the roots were kind of planted here or even earlier in videodrome that like we as humans as we go on as we evolve as we go through shit as we go through depression we are 
naturally becoming more desensitized. And that is something I do want to touch on what you just said, because I know we're doing a crimes of the future episode, but I really, as soon, Oh my God, I'm hitting Mm -hmm. my microphone. I'm so sorry. I'm going to let it jiggle for a second. Okay. Um, in crimes of the future, as soon as it got to the point where they explain these people don't mm-hmm. feel anything. Yeah. So like physically, instead of emotionally, like in crash, these people physically don't feel anything. Um, so this is what they have to do. This is why sex has evolved. Sex is evolving, whether it's because of emotional or um, yeah. physical mm-hmm. numbness and car crashes are the new sex. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No. And I really, I thought about that last night while I was watching it, that this is just another version of a numbness that makes sex meaningless almost you feel nothing because i feel like you're looking at this very (laughs) literally and you can look at it literally but i I, I, i'm still subscribing to what everyone else is saying about how this is more metaphorical than anything else but i I do like steph's reading as well because it's very interesting because yeah this is this is like the gut reaction type it feeling sure. yeah. i want to hear what you have to say I mean, about that stuff. yeah like i i get all the like metaphorical reactions to this movie and sure like you can read into it and see all of that and i get it i understand it but i i didn't get any of that personally i just got people are turned on by car crashes and yeah. to me that didn't resonate and i think i think in crimes and, of no, the future and that's so fair. i think in crimes of the future it's so it's so much more like I don't know I felt empathy and I felt like I understood this circumstance that they're in because it's like they're in the future it's also a little bit more detached like it kind of feels mm-hmm. like a different world it's a little bit more easy to understand because it's so far away whereas this is like it's in the same world that we're in and it's a little bit harder to grasp and like i i don't know i think yeah the numbness in crimes of the future is i guess more of a literal numbness like they literally cannot feel pain Mm -hmm. and so they feel pleasure instead Mm -hmm. and that makes sense to me whereas this is like i get feeling numb in a relationship but to be like okay this isn't working for me. I'm going to just go jack off and get wrecked in a car. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) No. And I, I get what you're saying, but I feel like if you took crimes of the future for the basis of what it is without all the like commentary on evolution and all of that stuff, like if you just took the scene where there's people fucking in an alley and cutting each other while they're fucking in an alley and put it to the well, car crash but it, it feels doesn't very though similar. because that's within like, the context of they don't feel pain so they f- instead feel well, pleasure but, but but like what madison was saying earlier though where it's like okay swap out me getting horny over car crashes with abusing drugs like they, it, it's the same kind of thing for mm. me where it's like mm-hmm. yeah it, it, they're just going into a bad habit and yes you are right like the I, the, con- the mere concept of this movie is in my opinion, kind of ridiculous. And Grace, I, I mean, I, do we know if there's any real life instances of this paraphilia? I don't know if people actually recreate the car crashes, but I have to believe that there are people who probably like uh, like the scene where they're watching the videos of the crash test dummies. I imagine there's people who look at either footage or still photography and they're like, yeah. cool. And there's people that enjoy getting 
beat up during sex. There's right. people yeah, that enjoy yeah, yeah. fake kidnappings, um, which are traumatic things that happen in or real life, play, but they get off to it or rape. Exactly. And I think that the car thing is just like, cause a movie about people that get off to rape wouldn't be interesting, but it's the same thing. It's damaging <laughs> and it's, it's weird and it's fucked up. And uh, like, on, no, on the same page, I feel like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, we could have a movie like this. That's about, Oh, let's see how they abuse drugs to feel something. But like, that's old hat. How many movies have we seen like that? And I know this is based on a book. So mm-hmm. like Cronenberg is taking this from like source material, but it's kind of mm-hmm. like, we've seen like drug abuse mm-hmm. before we've seen uh self harm before what, what's something else we can do that's like different and it's this <laughs> and and just like the characters in the film we are desensitized i know someone else said that earlier but we're desensitized to movies about stuff we've yes. already seen so you have to push the envelope so that the audience can feel something they haven't felt before in a movie and crimes of the future i feel like i was disappointed because it didn't push the envelope enough and I was expecting to feel more than I felt. And I liked the movie, but I was I was so desensitized personally as a viewer that when I heard people were so freaked out and I wasn't freaked out enough, I was upset. But that's what the movie's about like, at the end of the day. <laughs> that is what it is. It is about I at know, its core. But what I'm saying is I feel like Crash is... <laughs> It's making the audience have a similar reaction to the mm-hmm. people in the film. And I think that's very interesting um, because it's pushing an envelope. Yeah, I mean, I think sexuality is still very much like a litmus test for a lot of folks. Like this is boundary pushing because we still, especially here in North America, right? We don't do films that are sexually explicit or sexually graphic because frankly, like this is an NC-17 film. You can't get this release nowadays nope. because no one will put money towards it. No theaters will screen it. Like, and I think Madison, that's maybe like, I, I felt a similar way to you about crimes of the future where I was like, Oh, I was hoping that Cronenberg was going to push the envelope in that way. But I, I don't know that it's possible to do that without sex, which is maybe why I end up appreciating Crash so much. And I guess to that's circle true. back to the yeah, beginning, no, when I was point. like, oh, it's like a not sexy, sexy film. I think to a certain extent, we almost get desensitized to the sex and the role play throughout this movie because there is so much of it, mm-hmm. which is yeah. also an interesting commentary so much, where it's yeah. like, oh, I gave you what you wanted. And now you're even getting desensitized to that. Yeah, That's such a good point. But also, Steph, I don't think that your mm-hmm. read of the film is wrong. I think that like. It, I don't know, I, I think you're you're right. And I think that we're right. It's it's a loaded movie. I mean, there's there's no right or wrong. It's no, exactly. I think the movie is meant to elicit reactions it's visually, differently from it's, different people. It's visually and morally gray. You mm. get out yeah. of it exactly, what you get. Exactly. Like you can't go into this movie and I tell everybody like like I'm like, oh, go watch Crash. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. I'm curious to see what you pull from that That's movie. Sadistic. And then you I will get, get a reaction. Well, half, yeah, I get half reactions like Steph, where it's like, oh, I hated that. And then I get the other half, like Madison, where it's like, whoa, that movie was fucking loaded. Uh, well, and like, if you think about it, like any, I feel like people could even react based on personal experiences if you've been in Mm. a horrifying car Mm. crash in your life you're not going to like this movie because it's going to remind you of a trauma but if it was a movie about rape and you've been raped i'm sorry i'm making this episode like very explicit but like 
you're not going to enjoy that because it's going to remind you of a past trauma. I feel like every single person that goes into this movie will have baggage that will make them react differently. And yeah, I mean, that's yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know that's actually I'm really sorry. interesting because I've been in two horrific car accidents in my life and that actually could possibly be contributing to why I don't like this movie. I mean, and yeah. I like the one thing that I'll say about Cronenberg and about every Cronenberg movie that I've seen up until this point is that like so far half the time I haven't really enjoyed them, but I do appreciate the creativity and how bold they are because like this movie yeah I didn't particularly enjoy the experience of watching it but I can absolutely respect Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the creativity behind it and how interesting of a concept this is and how bold it is and like I 100% like from a technical and creative standpoint like fully respect this and 100% think it's very well done it's just not right. really something for me yeah, personally and honestly even if you didn't think it was well done you're yeah you're valid for that like uh, i don't but, know i just feel like what you were saying madison yeah. about like oh like you're kind of pulling in past experiences i i, I do understand that because i'm trying to think of the, the vibe that this movie reminded me of and y'all may completely disagree if you've seen this other film but uh it reminded me of lars von trier's melancholia Oh my god, mm. I love that movie. Oh my god. <laughs> that does not make sense to me. No, I mean, just because it, <laughs> we want to cover yeah. that movie on here. Actually. And again, like, I, I just like, I got, I, I felt similarly. And, you know, I, I don't suffer from depression or anything and depression or anything like that. So I, 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 quote unquote enjoy watching films like that because it kind of it, it gives me a, a window into that kind of life or into that um oh god um uh whatever uh st- state of mind uh and so that's kind of how i felt watching mm-hmm. this um that's so interesting because hmm. i love melancholia it's one of my favorite movies of all time probably interesting but I didn't like this movie at all, so I'm I'm so interested well, how like what like what made you think that I'm so it curious. was it was the it, the characters kind of just complete lack of uh, uh uh not resolve but just like a we have nothing to lose and we are wait we are awaiting an end because again in this movie they're they're just waiting to die like that that is what they 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 know mm-hmm. that's what's coming mm-hmm. because in this case the their big their big O is dying like that is what this is um and in melancholy mm-hmm. same thing where it's like they know they are going to die even though it's not really their choice in that in that scenario whereas in this movie it, it, it is but we're watching people that just have lost feeling lost emotion because they have nothing to live for anymore or in this case they're looking for something that will help them like they're looking for a feeling that will make them want to live more but then uh, the irony is that it leads to their death i don't know well it's like that that terrible joke where it's like oh they're chasing the petit more but they might just end up more yes exactly yes just like that mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know i don't know I, I i felt i felt like watching this movie the same way i felt watching melancholia i don't know that's so interesting so uh so madison uh I understand you have some facts for us about this movie. Yes, I do have some facts. Let me pull them up. I spoiled the first one, so let's skip that. Um, So Cronenberg accidentally cameos in the darkness at uh, 30 minutes into the movie. 
just after James, the James Dean crash. But his voice also cameos um, an hour and a half into the movie as the mm-hmm. car lot mm-hmm. attendant. Oh, shit. Yesterday when I was watching the film, I was like, oh my God, these opening credits are so long. But the opening credits were not present when the film debuted because they weren't ready yet, which is kind of funny. When they were filming, hospital beds were so expensive and difficult to find that it was actually just cheaper and easier to film in a real hospital. So they did. <laughs> it was it was too hard to get hospital beds on their set, so they just filmed nice. in a hospital. And those are my facts. So I also I also have a fact that like the special jury award that this was given for at Cannes is like not a competition award. It has to be presented at the request of the jury. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. That award has oh. not been given out since. <laughs> well, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Francis Ford Coppola was basically like, uh, I'm not actually really in agreement with this. Like, he didn't say that specifically, but he was very much like, not. Against like, he didn't it, like yeah. this movie. <laughs> Which... Yeah, I honestly, I feel like getting the award for most creative and out of the box is kind of like a... It's kind of an it's insult. It's a little backhanded. But it's kind of backhanded, but it is it is creative and whatever the word was used for the award, it is daring. that, but it is also daring daring. And audacious. It is daring um, and audacious. Yeah, Steph was like, how the audacity of this film. The audacity. <laughs> and, and see, that's so funny, because for me, audacity is like a very good thing. Because, and, and granted, be it like something I, be, be it something I like or don't like, I always appreciate audacity. Because, but I also yeah. think that's part of my desensitization where I'm like, I've seen it all. Shock me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I like, I didn't even like it, but I appreciate the audacity yeah. and the daringness of it like oh, I mean like, I respect it yeah, for sure but no, it's just not I, for me I get it but when this when the credits rolled I was like this could not be made today I'm surprised this was made in 1996 this could not be made yeah honestly yeah. Uh, I have a question did any of you guys see Titan yeah yes <laughs> this movie reminded yes. me of Titan a lot in a good mm-hmm. way or a bad way but I well I really loved Titan I loved it so I, when I read the synopsis of this, I was like, oh, that sounds kind of like Titan. And then I saw it and I was like, mm, I mm. don't like this. But I love Titan, so I don't know. No, that, that, that's interesting because I'm going to be in the minority here, but I'm very meh on Titan. But I, I am very meh on uh, on her other work as well, Raw. Mm-hmm. But mm. wrong on both accounts. No, yeah, no, wrong. I mean, like, that's I, the I, only I, wrong take tonight. I am in the minority. I know <laughs> I am, but I literally both those movies, I ended them and I was like, okay, like. I but Trace also doesn't like most teen girl narratives, so okay. he's starting at a bit of a, at a disadvantage. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, I'm sorry. Wait, that is a real harsh generalization. Like, I don't dislike <laughs> teen girl narratives. Um, it's just I don't know something about the way Julia DeCornau does her stuff. I mean, I'll go watch Jennifer's Body any day of the week. But like, hell yeah, that that something oh, about yeah. DeCornau, I just I cannot connect with her films for some reason. I will I will go see every one that comes out, but I cannot connect with. either one of her films that i have Mm. seen interesting speaking of connecting uh we're gonna wrap this episode (laughs) up since 
<laughs> that, that timer is going a little bit overboard. Uh, Joe, Trace, where can everyone find y'all? Uh, uh, you can find us on uh, all of our socials. Twitter and Instagram is at horrorqueers. And for my personal one, you can find uh, me at Trace D, and that is D as in dog, Thurman. And I am at D, still my remote, and that's the letter B. And of course, we are hosted by the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, so you can find us uh, and our some of our writings on Bloody Disgusting. And not to toot my own horn, but you should go listen to their episode on Silence of the Lambs. That one in particular is pretty good. Yes. I won't say why. Just go do it. But we, <laughs> um, you will have a special guest appearance in an episode coming out next month, but we can't reveal that title yet, so everyone stay tuned for that. Yeah, trust me. I'll be I'll be promoting that one, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> Steph, where can people find you? You can find me at Steph Koza on pretty much everything and my youtube channel stuff Coza versus the movies where i do movie commentary and reviews and all sorts of movie related content madison you're up um i have another podcast called the night sisters podcast which is focused on um highlighting i hit my mic again i'm so sorry um <laughs> which is focused on highlighting um, women in the Star Wars fandom for their contribution and their experiences. So that's at Night Sisters Pod on Twitter and Instagram and Night Sisters Podcast on anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And I'm on every social media platform at maddie underscore amadala and you can find me at jfc doomblade on all social medias you can find my various bylines at all over the web i've kind of been spreading my wings ever since i gone freelance again you can find the pod at windsor film club on all social media you can also find us available on apple and spotify podcasts please leave a five-star rating i'm not going to say just leave a rating because somebody left a two-star rating Ooh. um but whatever that one was personal i feel like <laughs> whatever give us a good rating um we'd like to thank our sponsor once again super yaki be sure to use our code super windsor in all caps for 10 percent off your order is that all okay i was <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all I'm, 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 I'm waiting for you to do the usual bye oh sorry 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 okay <clears throat> bye nice <laughs>